This is our final session now on Second Thessalonians, and I wanted to simply try to summarize the argument or the flow of thought in this letter. Father, as we try to get the big picture now, impress upon us Paul's big goal for writing this letter. May it, in fact, come true in our lives. I ask this in Jesus' great name. Amen. So I'm not going to look up each of these verses. I put them here so that you could make sure that these verses actually say what I say they say, but you'll have to look them up later. And then when we get to the end of number nine here, we'll step back and look at three verses that I think capture the ultimate goal of the letter. So here's the way the argument flows as I see it. We exult in your steadfast faith in persecution. Chapter one, verse four. So persecution is happening. Faith has remained strong. Paul is giving thanks and boasting about it. Number two, these afflictions are God's design to make you worthy or fit you for his kingdom. An amazing statement that the afflictions are not whimsical, they're not fate, they're not demonic merely, they are God's plan for your sanctification for his kingdom. Number three, God will give you relief and them recompense. So you are going to get relief. They, your persecutors, are going to get recompense when Jesus comes to be glorified. Second coming. The great aim is that by these afflictions, Jesus be glorified in you at his coming and you in him. But that day won't come before the man of lawlessness and the great deception happens. So take heart. In the meantime, till he comes, you are chosen by God for sanctification to obtain the glory of Christ. So election through sanctification unto salvation and the experience of the glory of Christ. So stand firm in good works, same as this sanctification here, or being fit for the kingdom here. So fit for the kingdom, sanctification, good works, all the same. Seek to win back the idlers who don't get it. They're drawing all kinds of wrong conclusions from the prediction of the second coming. Seek to win back the idlers through patient ostracism. Don't support their disobedience. May the Lord of peace give you peace, even though he's just created some real difficulties by giving them that instruction. Now, let's step back and ask about the ultimate goal, namely, he's coming to be glorified. He's coming to be glorified. He's coming to be glorified. Second Thessalonians 1 9 and 10. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. So your persecutors are going to be given justice away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. So the great day is coming, and it is coming precisely 
so that Jesus will get great glory in us and be marveled at among us. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's coming for two purposes, that he may be glorified in you and you will share in his glory. And then finally, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, repeatedly in this short letter, the ultimate aim of God in all their persecutions, in all their sanctification, indeed in all their conflict in the church, is that they might obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me step back and put in bullet points here the flow of thought or the pathway that leads to glory in Second Thessalonians. So it, it starts in affliction. That's where he begins the letter. That affliction is having the effect of producing in them great faith in the Lord Jesus. It's not making them bitter. It's not making them angry. They have joy in the Holy Spirit as they are trusting in the promises of God. That faith in Christ and that acceptance by Christ through faith is bearing the fruit of sanctification. It is fitting them for the kingdom. It is resulting in good works. So affliction, producing refined and deep faith, yielding a life of transformation in good works and love and sanctification, which fits them for, let's just say, heaven. He says the kingdom of God in one five, They are made suitable. They don't earn it, and they're already justified, but they're being made suitable and fit for the kingdom of heaven. Then Christ comes. And as he comes, two things happen. One, two. First, he is glorified in us, and we are glorified in him. That's the great goal of the letter. That's the great end of the story. That's the great climax of the process from affliction to faith to holiness and love and sanctification and good works and fitness for the kingdom and readiness to meet God 
And then Christ comes, and he gets great glory in our lives as we praise him and reflect him, and we are made partakers in his divine glory forever and ever for his glory and for our great glorious joy.